Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So for today's episode, there's not really much of a weekend update, even though solicits came out, but it just re-solicited uh, what we already know about the upcoming Spider-Gwen smash number one. But... The really big thing that just happened that it's been nine years since Edge of Spider-Verse number two came out, which introduced us to Spider-Gwen. Yeah, I remember it like it was nine years ago. I was... so, yeah, and we're hoping that there's going to be something big for the 10 year anniversary next year, which they got to do something. Superior Spidey is celebrating 10 years this year. Uh, they did it for Miles two years ago, so it's only logical that they do something for Gwen, preferably a new ongoing to celebrate uh, 10 years or maybe uh, before the ongoing, just a supersized one shot. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the 10 the, the year anniversary would be helped if the film were coming out at the same time. I, I don't know if they're going to manage to release Beyond the Spider-Verse next year the rate everything's going probably not but well the writer's strike just ended now they just have to uh make a fair deal for the sag after a strike yeah yeah but even when they weren't messing these people about they had really poor timing with the production like across the spider-verse was delayed but by the sounds of it they've they've not done any work for beyond the spider-verse so odds no. on it's, it's probably going to be a good while before we get an idea when that's coming out but but yeah that's besides the point uh yeah it's been yeah. um nine years since um gwen first became a thing yeah. in the way that we know her and yeah. and everything in a perfect world uh we would get sean and mcguire back to write the book in a perfect world I th- yeah i think that's yeah. i think it remains the podcast's this is the podcast favorite to return to an ongoing Spider-Gwen title. Okay. But... And if they were just going to do an anniversary one-shot, problematic as he is, I wouldn't be mad if they uh, tapped Jason Latour uh, just this one more time to write an untold tale of her. I'd be, I'd be a little bit mad. Be a little bit. He need to apologize a bit. Well, as long as he gives like a very formal apology, like not the pageant one, the real one. Well, it was it was so weird because when he was like initially like people were coming out and saying you know like this behavior was really weird, you know he acted in all these like he did all these strange things at comic conventions, like like his reaction was to like like he was he was like he was like these really weird Twitter threads that he was making in reply to people who were saying that he would he had done this stuff to them and it was it came off really weird and it was just you know like. I will say this though, he's been he's been I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. He has been posting to his Substack, and he it seems that he is employed in some role with the production across the Spider Verse. I don't know how official that is. I think it's uh, just a consultation. Yeah, he 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 has been. They're they're throwing a lot of the Gwen stuff his way and seeing what he thinks of it and what he makes of it, and it's it's definitely. Um, like I don't, I don't think he's he's cancelled as such. He's just, you know, he's clearly just in a background role, and these comics that he's made certainly have legs 
in terms of their reprintability, like the amount of different Omnibuy that you can get of Latour Spider-Gwen comics now, I feel like there's three different massive collections you can buy. Like, a good chunk of that money's going back into his pocket. So it's like, he's, yeah, I don't, I, I think, I don't worry for him at all, you know? It's, um, you know, he made his bed the way he behaved um, yeah. and the reputation he's made for himself. And yeah. it's very, like, with the amount of people that don't get to become comic book writers, I don't feel bad that he's kind of screwed up his chance, as it were. Um, you know, there's plenty of people waiting in the wings, I'm sure, that can take his role, that are just disqualified, that haven't done the weird stuff. I think some have done the weird stuff, but um, they just weren't public with it, or they just made sure not to get caught. Yeah, well, there was there was um there was a string of people, right? Like to 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 kind of give more context on it, like that what happened with Jason Latour, there was uh there was a, the multiple instances of male like successful male comic book creatives turning out to be um scumbags and particularly warren ellis who was probably the the biggest offender uh, out of these but there was kind of a a me too moment within comic book professionals um like a miniature one and i think especially when you have an industry that is so heavily dominated by one gender you open it up to being very easy for people like this to fall into these kinds of behavior patterns of of toxicity of of using their platforms to pursue um romantic interests and and to be abusive um and and in some cases and yeah. it's so yeah, I would I would definitely push back on the idea of Jason Latour returning to the Spider-Gwen comics, especially given he's not really left them, and I don't think he ever really can leave them. It's you know he's 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 very you know like I don't I don't feel for yeah. him too much. Yeah, but you know anyway, uh, like that it would just be a year off anyway. We can worry about who's going to uh, write her ten-year anniversary hypothetical one-shot issue or ongoing. We can worry about it next year. And yeah. Yeah, it's practically a conversation for a different podcast. Sorry. Yeah, it was a big tangent that was. Yeah. But uh, at least um, even with the uh, delay of Beyond the Spider-Verse, the little kitties can get introduced to Spider-Gwen this easily by watching Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Junior. Yeah, is that, how many seasons is that on now? Uh, I think they're going into their third. That's mad. They have, they have made so much of that and um yeah it's it's like i feel like it's been going on for a short amount of time than the podcast has even like they have they've been they've quicker production turnaround than the uh, sony animation studios yeah the show's been on for three years yeah um yeah no i've um good i need to actually watch it at some point i feel because the amount of kids that i see going around with spidey and his amazing friends merch now like this pajamas and there's toys and there's like all kinds of stuff and it's very popular yeah that's what even um tim seeley's daughter that's what made spider gwen her, her favorite yeah yeah it's, it's, it's making the next generation of spidey fans really um yeah it's, it's um it's a uh, it's, it's a slow news month i feel that it's been since we, how long has it been since we last recorded three weeks ago i think when we did three the weeks. annual 
Yeah. Um, so this is going to be our um, sort of full uh, podcast review of Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, which so, finally... Yeah, so we're, we're, we've, we have held off on doing this uh, because the, um, we wanted to kind of wait for the film to have a full box office run and for it to come out physical release so that we could rewatch it so that um and also just it, it's it, this kind of means that most most of the listeners will have hopefully watched this film if yeah. you're a Spider-Gwen Go Spider fan and you have not watched this film I'd be very very surprised and I'm very very sorry to hear that please go please go watch this film uh before yeah. you listen to this podcast at least um, we would say spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for three months. So what are you doing? Yeah, this will be a spoiler review to clarify a spoiler review of this film. So, um, yeah, please, please do go watch it. Also, because it's a two and a half hour uh, long uh, feature film, we have not produced a synopsis. Also, because it's a film and it's a much more accessible piece of media than a comic book, like we we kind of presume most people are on the are already on the same page with this we've all been talking about it we've all been going back and forth over over this film which which has been really big for spider gwen um when i tell you we have had a lot like I, i've been looking at the numbers on the reddit and the podcast and we like like this this film has done a lot for the image of spider gwen people wanted to read her comics this is a surprisingly um ghost spider oriented film yeah this is as much of gwen's movie as it is miles's movie yeah i uh they they do this intro which is kind of it, it's it's clearly riffing off the intro of the first spider-verse film is that right um, kind of and they also um and they were very deep cut to include some of Robbie Rodriguez's comic panels at the beginning. Yeah, um, so I mean, I touched on it earlier, but uh, yeah, Jason, Jason Latour and and like the creative team behind the original Spider Gwen comics, um, uh, have been involved with the production, and so Edge of Spider Verse Two has been adapted in part as the opening sequence of the film where we get Gwen giving her kind of origin in full. We got a very brief glimpse in, into the Spider-Verse, but this is a full glimpse. Peter Parker from Earth-65 gets his own proper character model. Now he actually looks like a boy. Yeah, because uh, in the last movie, um, they only just recycled a Peter B. Parker model and de-aged him just a little bit. That's why he looks drastically different here. Also, Captain Stacy also has a very different character model, which I can get because in her origin story at, at the first movie, you know, they can get away with using some sort of generic uh, cop old guy model. Yeah, they, um, they, they, they put a lot more detail into Gwen's universe um, and and they do they contain a it contains a lot of references to the Spider Gwen comics. You see, uh, Robert Rodriguez's art is met is is shown. Um, you there's 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 basically just like a bunch of shots which are clearly from the comic. Um, I I sincerely hope that they they compensate the creators well with this film. I know that they 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 employ a lot of them in the production, 
but it's kind of surprising how much art is just directly lifted to produce the feel and and, and effectiveness really of of this as a film um overall and there are also some pieces of dialogue that are like word for word from the comics like uh when mj said yo def leopard yeah well i mean the, the, the first like the first like dialogue um bubbles in any um in any yeah. spider-man comic i'm pretty sure right um and uh, when gwen made that uh her big speech she used some of the words that uh she used in her big speech to her dad and edge about um uh you're a good cop dad and this mask is my badge now yeah um and i, I really like kind of how well they translate the father-daughter relationship between the two Stacys so well here because I I think it's it's probably one of the standout features of the Spider Gwen Ghost Spider comics is the tension in Captain Stacy not approving of the Spider Woman yeah which is completely the opposite of uh, her unmasking in her debut because when she unmasked herself uh, to her dad uh, his reaction was to. Uh, tell her to run away before he changes his mind. Yeah, they, 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 they. I think they, they needed that. What they wanted to do is they kind of wanted to stagger out the kind of emotional resolution. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, one of the hearts of the movie is um, uh, Gwen's relationship with her dad. Uh, being all tense just like how in the first movie miles's relationship with his dad was also kind of tense but you know for different reasons yeah um one of gwen's key motivating like character points in the film the reason that she works for the spider society with sort of like so unquestioningly is because she doesn't really have an alternative outside of them because she can't go back home because of this thing which has happened with her dad um and so she really really wants to at the spider society so there that that is kind of her big driver for most of the film and then obviously when they send her back you then get the end of that conversation with captain stacy and then it then it's resolved because because there is a point right in the comic to in the film where you you kind of you you see the thoughts going through his head and then he kind of just melts and he kind of just goes oh i'm i'm not going to try and arrest my kid you know that's pretty weird and he's and he's nice about it and they're just kind of staggering that bit out they just have they have that moment that they sort of add in that extra bit of him not initially receiving it as perhaps as well as he does in the comics um so that they can have the film happen in between basically and also, you know, in here, you know, Gwen also makes the point that, um, uh, you know, if she's not Spider-Woman on her home, then bad things are just going to uh, run amok. And uh, she also makes the other point that um, she can't lose another friend ever since the thing happened with Peter. Yeah, um, they do. Um, they do. They do a, a, a much more sort of thorough job of establishing Gwen's characterizations and kind of um her concerns uh around um relationships i i think in the first one they they allude to it very heavily and it, it acts as almost as if there is a character plot line with it but there sort of really isn't in the first film but here they they lean very very hard into this idea that gwen 
doesn't really have very good ability at building these connections with people. Yeah, she said that Miles was uh, uh, the very first friend that she made ever since losing Peter. Yeah, and I, and she kind of has this habit of running away from the connections within her life because because with miles he is genuinely pressed for people to be friends with um whereas with with gwen she she has quite a few people you see in the film but she just yeah she just chooses not to maintain friendships to eliminate distractions yeah, you know, she leaves the band, she leaves her dad, she doesn't talk to Miles, um, and, um, yeah, like, and, and the friendships that she does make and, and kind of pursue are obviously very beneficial to her, like with, with Hobie, um, so it's, um, yeah, it's, but it's, it's just, just all around, I would say, they, they did a really good job of um, adapting the Spider-Gwen story. I, I, I don't know if this is something they want to carry forward or if this is a one-off because I feel that Spider-Gwen's origin kind of really works as a setup. Um, a lot of the interesting stuff, especially with Captain Stacy kind of comes from him like grappling with his role in the police force and they're like eventually quitting and, and, and going on like a media campaign to try and take down the, the Spider-Gwen um, like hunt. Right. Um, and that, that, that's, you know, I don't know how realistically they can incorporate that. I, I would like it perhaps if they pushed back against the if you don't put on that badge then somebody else who's a bad cop will thing because um you know, as is kind of fleshed out in the comics, it's very much an institutional problem, uh, with policing and, and the, the comics are about that, you know. Maybe we might get an idea of um, that dynamic in the next movie because according to Lord and Miller, we're going to see a lot of Gwen Stacy variants in Beyond the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I, I just... Um, like, I, I, they, they seem to be very ambitious with this film that they haven't made much of a start on making. I I, I don't... Where, where, where are they, they going to find the time, frankly? Well, the writing is already finished. Yeah, um, I wonder if we will get like genuine, authentic, like Gwen Stacy alternates, or if yeah. it's just going to be like a supercut. Um, here's the Council of Gwens. Oh, it's this one. It's this one. It's this one. Oh, they've all beaten up the bad guy. Oh, isn't that wholesome? Oh, they have a cry. I think I um, can guarantee you that there might be at least one Gwen variant in Beyond who's uh, credited as Gwen. M. Stacy, just like Peter B. Parker, and we'll talk more about him later. Miles G. Morales. Yeah, no, I I see that. There's definitely like, but 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 like even within the like the Latour comics, like there's definitely a good few Gwen variants they can draw from. They got yeah. Gwen Eight. They got Gwen Six One Seven. They got um. But would you think this um hypothetical Gwen M would be uh, uh this Gwen's opposite? Um. I, I, I have like I've thought about this. A lot of people been been. Um, I've seen a lot of people like kind of they've latched onto the idea that it would be Gwenum, I, which I don't like so much. I think that's too heavy-handed. Just because Gwenum just sounds so similar to Gwen M, because her middle name is Maxine, that's why uh, she would be credited as Gwen M. Stacy. I see. Um, I think what we could have is maybe 
they, they will do the stuff with Miles G. Morales and his Prowler and his mum maybe, but that it won't go outside of that very much. I don't like I I don't think they will they will get too far into that world. But we do know that this Gwen is aware of uh the fate of various other Gwens in the multiverse because she says that in every other universe Gwen Stacy falls for Spider Man and it doesn't end well. Yeah, and that roughly aligns with with how the comics work. I I quite I literally of... I might add that she right. falls. Yeah, she's got to got to watch the that bridge. Um, that there is a. This is kind of this has kind of always been the status quo for Gwen, is that from her debut, she quickly becomes aware of Spider Verse, and she quickly becomes aware of the fact that there are many variants of her that have been in love with Spider Man and then died because of it, and. That's something she's kind of always been aware of in the comics. And she's kind of always had the ability to pop around the multiverse. Like, this is pretty standard stuff within the comics universe. And then it it, it finds, like, it doesn't make her crime fighting redundant, right? Like, it doesn't, like, she she still tries to kind of find love. But just obviously in a, in a context where she's very keenly not falling in love with Peter Parker because he's dead. So, um... I think, you know, unless a writer made, I think, what would be a very serious mistake of trying to pair off with, with, with Peter Parker, it kind of makes sense how she is able to kind of be aware of everything and then still, like, you know, obviously still have struggles, and yeah. even with all the stuff that she can depend on. Yeah, and that's why, you know, she's so hesitant on pursuing Miles just because, you know, she's seen all of the other Gwens falling for Spider-Man that she's afraid that, um... Uh, if she pursues a relationship with Miles, which uh, I'm just going to say because of uh, the age difference in this movie being much more sensible, 15 months, this is how you do sitting in a tree without it getting weird. Yeah, I don't I don't think she's trying to pursue Miles so much even like I think it's it's um it's a little bit uh, especially at the start. Of the well, film. I'm just going to say it's a schoolgirl crush. Yeah, I, I think I think. But also, like romantic connection aside, she she has a human connection with Miles that clearly she hasn't let herself have in her own universe, and she's kind of a, only able to approach it from this this very detached point of view. I think that is, um, it's it's quite dysfunctional, and like obviously it's 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 tough on Miles as well like really uh really rough uh so it's i i think i think for gwen it's it's just kind of th- this is just the person she has a human connection with i and, and that predates her finding out about the fates of the multiverse as gwen stacy's um differing to her own and then there's this running gag about why Miles is questioning Gwen's special relationship with Hobie. Yeah, and you can kind of see that there is, there is a certain amount of jealousy in how they be- they behave with each other because, like, uh, the way that uh, Gwen is with Hobie, uh, the way that Miles is with uh, Spider Bite. Is it Spider Bite? Yeah, yeah, Spider Bite. Yeah. There's these moments where clearly they both have a certain level of possessiveness over the other. Yeah, but I um, think with Hobie, I think uh, he's more like an older brother to Gwen. Yeah, um, the the film the film does try and 
massaging that implication that potentially it could be um, romantic, at least enough that Miles can feel insecure about it. Yeah, the evidence that we get is that uh, uh, Gwen left her, her sweater and toothbrush over at Hobie's place. She sometimes sleeps over there, and um, he was the one that gifted her. Her now-updated wardrobe now includes Chuck's, finally. Yeah, well, we've mentioned it in the past before, but we aren't huge fans of the kind of ballerina angle for for Spider-Gwen. It doesn't quite fit with her personality um, or vibe. And we always kind of lean towards the Chuck Taylor, that kind of like power blue Chuck Taylor uh, color. And yeah, it's, it's been it's been nice to have her wear Chucks. But also, I think the film does a much better job all around of acknowledging the kind of subculture that Gwen comes from. Because in the first film she has this ballerina flair to her and that's kind of it but in this film she is very visibly punk in her fashion choices yeah and like like the leather jacket she wears to the prom over her dress uh, with all of the pins and the badges and everything and i was like they it maybe it really clicked for the artists what kind of character gwen is um, and the the choices felt a lot better for her. Yeah, I actually watched the uh, behind the scenes on uh, the Blu-ray, and according to Chris Anka, when uh, designing Gwen's new costume, the reason why she has now um, gloves over her gloves is just to give it a more of a punk rock feel. Yeah, um, and I think because obviously, like 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 especially like leather biker gloves, you see that a lot in kind of like punk rock fashion and and i i think it you know it fits kind of with with what they wanted to do with gwen it it, it's um because she is supposed to be rebellious in nature she is supposed to be you know like skeptical of the police and she is a she's a a, she's a drummer like like all of these uh the queer coding that they're leaning into as well uh, there's there's clearly a lot of things and and kind of themes they're playing playing with and and having her be kind of part of a, an anti-establishment subculture really um, it really works I I think and I uh, I was I was impressed with how they kind of took that away it, it they they did a very good job just generally speaking of bringing the atmosphere from the comics into the animation and finding different different things which make spider gwen you know gwen 65 feel like a a a a full character in her own right yeah and um you know she also gets to be um stepping up to the role of a leader because ultimately at the end of the movie she's the one who reassembles the spider gang back from the first movie along with a few new members uh i think a really cool detail that you might have not gotten the first watch but you might have noticed on the second watch or maybe you might notice it right now if i say it out loud gwen's narration is from the same time as um, the beginning and the end of the movie that's the pitch that she's making to which i'm now calling uh the spider band you know to get her to join her cause yeah 
I I think they they do they, yeah they also do a good job of leaning into the speech thing she does. They make a point that like when like this is something which comes up in the comics a lot is that Gwen kind of will give like a sappy speech that's very idealistic. Oh yeah, and then even Gwen herself uh to her six one seven counterpart she was just like um Gwen fucking Stacy and her stupid fucking speeches. I don't know if this is a thing which predates Gwen sixty five. Like is it is it a thing which is true of like the old Gwen. Gwen's that like like did did Ultimate Gwen I, do this? Did Gwen six one six do this? Like I don't think so. I think it's may- just maybe Spider Hero speeches in general. May- yeah, maybe it's that. But they 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 lean into that here. Gwen gets two or three solid monologues in, um, which Miles doesn't get, but Gwen does. Um, and and I'm like, yeah, they they kind of gave her that oxygen, which she takes up in her own comics quite a bit where she will just like deliver a very idealistic kind of minded speech which is which is fun i enjoy it they 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 nail that characterization pretty well because uh, the point that she makes is that uh, at the beginning and at the end of the movie, she narrates that um, she never really quite found the right band to join and then at the end she figured that she would just make her own yeah and I hope they don't move away from the Mary Janes, though. Like, I hope if if they do do anything with with the sixty five, I do hope they show her rejoining them because I think yeah. maybe at the end of Beyond, when she finally decides to settle at home, which um, yeah, we only get like two minutes of uh the Mary Janes, which um, you know, they, obviously they look different from their comic counterparts. I'm just gonna say say it out loud and you're not gonna be able to unsee this when i say it um her mj looks like aaron kellyman yes a little bit yeah it's, it's hard to talk with the lighting um as well in no, fairness I, I think it's the hair the texture yeah. that's why uh she looks like aaron kellyman and one nice detail is that uh her mj also has an eyebrow piercing but on the opposite side of the face where gwen's is oh that's fun i like that um but yeah it's uh the, the other the other uh thing they do is they uh they they do this like watercolor thing on earth 65 don't they with the with the lighting and the emotions yeah yeah that's supposed to be a reference to uh yeah rico renzi's coloring yeah he's such a great colorist by the way but yeah they did mention that um it's actually technically designated as Earth 65B in the movie because it's not the exact same Earth 65 that we know but uh when making Earth 65B they wanted all of the uh background colors uh to resonate with people's emotional state. Yeah, and I think it really nails it. I think a lot about the shot where Gwen rushes across the room to hug her dad and like the whole room kind of like glows and warms up. And it's so sweet, and uh, I I really uh, um, I think they kind of nailed that because because a lot of the bigger emotional beats do happen in Gwen's Earth, and and having that kind of watercolor effect and and having the 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 colors tint everything as well, uh, really it just it it makes it all very like it really uses the medium well. They're not just lifting a comic book style; they are riffing off it and, and creating something entirely new that you can't do in a comic book yeah. really I, I think it becomes more obvious in every scene that she's in with her dad yeah the the scenes with her dad honestly make the film like they 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 really they make the film there's a lot of stuff in the film which is just kind of clearly set up for a future film 
but the stuff they do with George and Gwen Stacy is just is like I it it, it 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 ties the film together in a very cathartic way. The film feels yeah. very cathartic to watch, and um, they they really nail it. Yeah. And besides, uh, her relationship with her dad was one of the uh, biggest cruxes of the Latour run. Yeah, definitely. Of of any good Spider Gwen comic, that tension needs to be there. I reckon. I think um, especially after he quits the police force, but you know, recently we don't know his employment status. Yeah. So the the wider film as a whole isn't about Gwen, shockingly. Um yeah. As much as we'd like to say that it's as much as uh, Gwen's movie, this is uh, really the second act of Miles's movie. Yeah, for real and and, and I think they do um they do they do a really interesting kind of job really cuz cuz a lot of the first Spider-Verse film was kind of about how, you know, anybody can wear the mask and it's that, you know, it's this really wholesome message. And in this, in this one, it's almost, it's kind of subverting that it's like, okay, anyone can wear the mask, but will they, will they be treated right when they do? Like, and the, the, the stuff they do with how the spider society is kind of institutionally deciding on a correct course of yeah. like suffering that yeah. each spider person needs to go through yeah. is it's essentially they're looking because of these canon events um they're essentially looking the other way isn't that like the complete opposite of what spider-man uh, stands for you're not supposed to look the other way yeah and and they've been inadvertently right they have become gatekeepers of of who is or isn't the right kind of spider person and because they have decided that Miles is the wrong, because because he's gotten his powers through multiverse mucking about, right? Uh, yeah, he's considered the, the original anomaly just because he wasn't bit by his own spider. Yeah, and it's it's kind of created this this situation where what Spider Man twenty ninety nine is doing is is running what is essentially a very authoritarian kind of scheme yeah well 2099's playing god at this point he is and i think it's it's there's there's a really interesting conversation which is happening between kind of miles who's saying well, well clearly everybody should be included clearly we should be helping as much as we can and miguel going well there's there's kind of there's a specific way that things have to play out and that you need to do to qualify to be etc etc except the thing is you know the future isn't set in stone because um in the movie uh uh jefferson is slated to die in two days that's something that can still be preventable without everything turning to shit as you will because it's the future it's not set in stone well if it was um set in the past uh jefferson's death that's a completely different matter because you know you can't um alter the well in some instances of time travel you can't alter the past without altering your your new present uh as you will because i'm just gonna make the comparison to like canon events to um absolute points because as established in the mcu absolute points are instances in time which can't be altered or avoided in any way because you know if event a doesn't happen then you wouldn't be where you are right now which is why dr strange supreme's universe collapsed when he prevented Christine's death because his Christine dying, that's what made him into Doctor Strange. 
And without that, that's why the universe fell apart. See, this is kind of where I kind of like where they're trying to draw an issue. With Across the Spider-Verse, it feels like they are setting up canon events as kind of a a false idea. Yeah. Right? There is no... Like, the, the, the idea that the anomalies are destroying everything, or there has to be a right way to do things, or a wrong way to do things, or a wrong kind of event, or a right kind of event, for the timeline to be sacred and preserved, is clearly kind of... It's Miguel's idea of how the timeline ought to go. It's Miguel projecting his own suffering out. Because the film doesn't give us any clear-cut examples of an anomaly breaking out and destroying stuff. Yeah, besides, if that were even uh, true, what Miguel said, Gwen saving her dad when she mentioned it in the first movie, then her universe should have fallen apart, right? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff where it's quite clear that the rules aren't set and like you say the future isn't set and so this this weird predestination approach must therefore be wrong and in this way miles hopefully will be like vindicated in the next film and and it'll you know miguel will be revealed to be wrong yeah yeah which is why i feel like maybe miguel knows more than he's letting on because like I said earlier, he's playing God just because uh, he was unable to save um, his other Earth uh, where he replaced his counterpart from. It looks more or less like an incursion that had happened. Yeah. Oh, what was the scene? Yeah, because I think like the rules of an incursion is uh, if one person from a different universe makes too much of a footprint in another alternate universe that's what causes uh, the entire world to uh, go down in flames yeah i mean clearly the collider technology which was activated in in mumbatan was catastrophic but other than that there's no there's no real evidence that changing these canon events actually seriously impacts or, or harms anyone yeah which is why you know miles is making it his mission not to stick to the script he, like he says um everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go no i'm gonna do my own thing mm. yeah and i think that's kind of part of it is it's it's um it's not just about wearing the mask it's about being able to wear it in the way that is you know comfortable and right for you there's kind of another layer to it where you want to reject these kinds of institutions that gatekeep and i quite enjoy that there's a really interesting tension between how miles views the mask and how miguel views the mask and then there's also another parent uh, child relationship well this time uh miles has tension with both his mom and his dad just because uh, he keeps struggling whether or not to tell them that he's spider-man like there were so many times that he wanted to say it yeah yeah they introduce this idea that that miles you know is maybe struggling a bit in some areas with school and 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 like obviously like it would be easily explained by the fact that he's spider-man but you know he he doesn't get it out there really yeah. during this film and it's kind of weird how um he wanted to switch from art to uh he doesn't seem like the person who wants to get into quantum theory and physics no and um i i mean he's he's a smart kid yeah. and he can do that stuff well certainly art was his first love 
I, I guess it must kind of add insult to injury for him to find out that even though he has changed his specialist kind of choice in his education uh, so that he can find a way to get back to his friends, that his friends actually have a way back to him and that they have been choosing not to take it because they believe he's the wrong kind of spider totem. Yeah, and um, also when his parents find out that he's getting a B in Spanish... That was really funny, uh, because of clearly, clearly he 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 should be fluent. Rough times. Yeah, and then uh, when Rio snaps her fingers, there's a little Puerto Rican flag that uh, pops up. Yeah, that was so cute. But yeah, it seems like um in the first movie, um even though um he still has a relationship with a Jefferson in this movie, um because Rio is now more elevated in this movie, he he now gets more. Um, character development regarding his mom. Yeah, honestly, the way they were framing it, I was really worried they're going to kill her off. Or they, or they still might, I guess, in the next film. But yeah, I, I was glad. I was also glad that they they gave more space to to clearly kind of his the complex nature of his cultural heritage with with being in, the, in like a bilingual family home. And, and speaking both Spanish and English, and just just that whole vibe, I I, I felt like they they gave it they, they fleshed it out much better than the first film, which it, it was definitely a lot more one note. You know, they acknowledge it, but they move past it very quickly, and I I don't think they did that here. I think they spent a much more appropriate amount of time on it. Yeah, and with Rio, I think you can see um, the influence that her speech had on him when he was standing up to Miguel and the rest of the society because before she gave him the green light to go pursue Gwen, uh, she told him that wherever he goes, uh, don't let the people in charge tell him that he doesn't belong. Right. It's really tough, and you can kind of see how betrayed he must have felt after it all by the end of the film. Yeah, but at least... um. Uh, he, like he took Rio's advice to heart. Like he, he's not uh, letting the rest of the society get to his head and telling him that um he shouldn't be Spider Man. Oh, he doesn't belong in the society. Yeah, it's a really raw deal for him because, like, realistically, what does he do at this point? Because so much of it was out of his control, including yeah. the spider bite. And plus, you know, Rio has an Earth forty two counterpart also. Um. And even though um, she's the wrong Rio that uh, Miles reveals his identity to, because she was like, who's Spider-Man? That was really funny. Yeah, the the, the whole stuff with, with the alternate universe that they go to looks really interesting. Yeah. Kind of like, what would the world be without Spider-Man? Yeah, and plus Earth-42 Rio has green eyes rather than normal Rio's brown eyes. So you know, Miles should have known the difference in the first place. In fairness, I really check the vines. The vines? Where was I going with that sentence? Her eyes? The eyes of Yeah, no, no, actually no. No, he should have no he should have noticed that. He should have noticed that. But I guess he was just too caught up in the adrenaline to notice all of the uh, very different um aspects of Earth forty two from his own Earth. It's a kind of a botched kind of coming out scene. Um, yeah, like even his jacket was different. Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, sort of moving on through some of the characters we've got here before before it gets any later in the day and yeah. I get any sleepier. I guess, I guess uh, Miguel. 
Uh, yeah, we've had, we've done. Yeah, he's a vampire. He's a vampire. He takes spider serum. Gwen describes him as a vampire, but you can see that Miguel takes spider serum. It looked like he was going to eat the uh, eat, like yeah. Da Vinci vulture. Yeah, or I guess that's just instinct taking over from his serum. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it's and yeah, he's radically different than what we saw of him from the first movie because in the first movie, um, you know, he was uh, more uh, wittier. Uh, he had his standard comic book design. Um, here he's just all jacked and um, maybe a, a bit of a Debbie Downer. Yeah, and it definitely seems like something is getting him down and i imagine that mystery is gonna come into full light in the next film yeah. hopefully anyway or i guess maybe the incursion is what made him adopt that more serious and brooding tone yeah perhaps because he was funnier in the first one he picked an argument with 1967 spider-man he was arguing oh, yeah. with lila about what to call the web watch that's so funny yeah um We've also got uh, Spider-Punk, Hobie Brown. Yes. Who is awesome and very cool. Yeah. And possibly one of the best characters in the film. Yeah, I think he's the breakout star of Across Spider-Verse. He has been. And, and, and again, like they, they really nail kind of bringing him to life. They do some really interesting stuff with the, his frame rates where he's... Uh, He's he moves on even less frames than than Miles does, um, and his jacket moves even less frames than that. So he has this kind of like fun, disjointed kind of newspaper clipping, punk album looking cover style to him. It actually took everyone four years to animate him. Yeah, I imagine a lot of that was coming up with how they were going to do it. Like, yeah. I don't think it would take them... Hopefully, it doesn't take them four years to do it for the next yeah. one. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like, you understood most of his British slang than I did. Yeah, I mean, it's not too thick or anything. Like, no. it, it's, it's you know, it's very um, audible. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like him being British here, other than the fact that um, Daniel Kaluuya is the one voicing him... I kind of feel like it's a reference to um, when Olivier Coipel uh, first drew him because the story is that during Spider-Verse, you know, Dan Slott wanted a Spider-UK. Olivier Coipel came up with who we know as Spider-Punk, but Dan Slott was more thinking of a Captain Britain type person. So, but he still liked Punk's design, so he just kept Punk as is and then made uh, Coipel draw in Billy Braddock. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, there's a couple of times where Dan Slott's concept differed really like heavily from what the creators went with in the end because it happened with Gwen as well but I'm kind of glad we got Spider-Punk out of it because the the like patriotic nationalist Spider-UK is no fun at all whereas the the anarchist sort of Spider-Punk is is based so yeah you know I, I kind of enjoy that about him yeah he says that um um he's an anarchist but um even though he's in a team he doesn't uh, follow the rules nor does he like consistency <laughs> I I will say I felt like the, generally speaking they did kind of they they kind of showed his his anarchist leanings coming into a way which kind of made sense like the way he kind of steals parts from the spider yeah. society to build his own watch thing the 
you know, like he's it's little things like that kind of help nail that characterization of him. Yeah, you could see that Hobie was two steps ahead because stealing those parts to make uh, Gwen her bootleg watch because there was a little note that said, just in case if things don't work out. Yes, uh, and I think that that was a very welcome decision. I even have, um, well, my parents gifted me the Funko Pop of um, Spider-Punk, and um, he's sitting right next to my Across the Spider-Verse Pop of Gwen. Yes, that's so cute. Um, okay, where are we up to now? We also have um, Jess. Yeah, we got a really cool version of the motorcyclist Jessica Drew. Very, very cool voice by Saray. Yeah, I really love this interpretation of the character. And they took a page from the uh, Dennis Hopeless run, where um, yeah, she's pregnant, and like she still fights crime when she's uh pregnant, but she has no venom blasts in this incarnation. Uh, it's just the standard shooting webs. I guess it's just because um Miles already has venom blasts, so they don't want to retread that. Yeah, I think that's kind of an issue with giving every single black character in comics uh, electric powers. So yeah. I, I can kind of see them wanting to avoid doing that trope. Again, although I say that they still might at this rate. And even after the time skip, she's still pregnant with her baby, which I'm assuming is Jerry. But come on, 16 months to be pregnant is just like um how um in Family Guy, in-universe, before finally giving birth bonnie was pregnant for six years and peter was like bonnie you've been pregnant for six years either have the thing or don't yeah for sure so yeah it seems like um but i feel like um, maybe we'll see her baby in the beyond the spider-verse whether or not if it's jerry i'm not so sure but it seems like that jess is one of the more loyal spiders to miguel although that loyalty might be wavering uh, by the end of the movie because uh, she's been spying on Gwen at the end of the movie, but she chooses to do nothing. Yeah, that's a real shame. Yeah. And uh, you can see that there's been a slight change in behavior because, you know, she was all perky uh, during the extended Earth 65B sequence when we first meet her. And now she's more serious. Yeah, quite a bit more in fights, I find. But yeah, Jess, um, she kind of a little bit of, um, because of that time skip after, do you think she was a little bit of a, a party pooper? Um, no, I feel like, I feel like Jess, Jess, it would be chill, especially if Miguel wasn't around. Um, she would otherwise be pretty chill. But no, it was because she didn't back Gwen up when Miguel was questioning Gwen. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously she's made an error there. Because she said that um, if Gwen lets Spot get away this time, then she can't help her anymore. Well, can't or won't? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the question. I think what we might see is maybe Jess and some of the other spiders come over to Gwen's side during confrontations and beyond the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And we'll maybe start to see that happen. Which, um, like, I think a fun little bit of trivia. If you look at the Across the Spider-Verse poster where you know how Miles is upside down and then in the background there's the Spider Society, right? Yes. If you look at Miles's right side, those are the spiders who support his and Gwen's cause. But if you look at um, Miles's left side, it's the spiders that support Miguel. And Jess is on Miles's left side where Miguel is. Yes, this is true. Another kind of breakout star that we get here, we get a spider India. Yeah, actually, they did a really fun job with this character because they... Um... 
they, they really changed this one a lot from the comics. New outfit, uh, kind of new personality. Um, he still got his powers through magic. Yes, yeah. he does actually. One of the few to get them that way. But um, uh, his girlfriend, instead of the uh, traditional Mira Jane that we see in comics, we get um, an OC in uh, Gayatri Singh, which is pretty much supposed to be the Gwen Stacy of his dimension. And uh, I've, I've noticed, they, they have they changed his outfit in the comics now to kind of match him? Uh, I think uh, in his new miniseries, in the finale, yeah, they're going to change his outfit to resemble uh his uh across the spider-verse counterpart yeah um yeah it's, it was it was really fun i, I thought also thought like mumbatton where he's from is also like a really cool environment and they really nailed having a, a unique feel to his uh reality uh, i really enjoyed that and how he was giving miles grief over the redundancy of chai yeah, I I like chai tea and naan bread being essentially the same word twice in a row, and and it being kind of like this redundant thing. Yeah, it's because I'm chai tea. Chai means tea, bro. Yeah, and, and apparently this was input from the actor as well. Like they did kind of discuss what lines they wanted to give him, and and that was the input from the actor. But yeah, Karin Sony. Yeah, um, like every time he spoke as Spider India, because um he also played Dopinder in. Uh, the Fox X Men movies, and like I could just not keep unhearing Dopinder. You know, he was Deadpool's cab driver. Yeah, he was. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, we have the return of Peter B. Parker here. Yeah, very briefly, but like he's got Mayday with him now, which is like very nice and very fun. Loved having Mayday. Would you say he got remarried to his MJ, or did did they just reconcile? It's hard to say. I, I imagine after everything they went through, but it's probably getting remarried. Yeah, because um, they're now both living in Aunt May's house, which um, uh, in the first movie, I think MJ was living in her own brownstone when Peter B. Parker was getting ready to um reconcile with her. Yes. Yeah. So I guess at some point. Uh, the both of them moved into Aunt May's house after she died, or was the house just vacant? Yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, because if MJ was living um in her brownstone at the time, why didn't Peter B just live in Aunt May's house? Yeah, it's it's a really kind of yeah, it's it's really tough to navigate housing like that. And when Miles was questioning that uh, Peter also went through losing his own police captain, it probably couldn't be Captain Stacy because, uh, you know, as we see in Into the Spider-Verse, Gwen Stacy was a total stranger to Peter B. Yeah, they just didn't, they didn't know each other, did they? So it's... No, so I guess um... it could have been a different police captain that Peter B lost yeah, I, I think it's it's a weird kind of thing for them to fix on as well, like the police captain thing, because like it's not true of every spider totem, I'm sure. And um, no, I think yeah. the only thing that's consistent is uh, uh, the f- the very first loss of a loved one that was um, that was caused by neglecting their responsibility. Yeah, you you think they found a way to kind of head some of these off and stop them from having these issues? Yeah. Uh, but um, at least you think he's being a good dad to Mayday despite dragging her into work. Um, yeah, I I think obviously there's there's a certain amount of like danger bringing a, a kid into that kind of environment. Um, 
like obviously like play and, and novelty are, are important learning things but like it felt like dangerous in some of these some of these chases like i worry now going back into it that she'll yeah i don't it's, it's a weird one but kind of the film is also kind of acknowledging that maybe he shouldn't be doing it at the yeah. same time you know but you know but mj's still aware of it because she asked peter b if uh, he brought their baby into another fight yeah it's uh it's funny actually it's a, it's a fun little bit of carrot's tension child yeah. neglect <laughs> no it's not neglect uh he's taking care of her. more like child endangerment child endangerment reckless endangerment of children yeah. um we've also got a spider bite as well yeah a little bit yeah she joins gwen's team later on just because a look from miles uh telling her not to turn off the machine it seems like it was enough uh for her to join his and gwen's cause yeah i think you know, she kind of it kind of came home to her how inhumane that machine she was operating was so it seems like maybe she'll get a little bit of an arc in the next film then of kind of having to unpack all of that but you know she works from home because you know um spider margot is just uh you know a digital avatar wearing Mm -hmm. uh, glasses while she just sits at home eating fritos yeah yeah which is kind of jealous of that for sure which is it's pretty much the same thing that she does in the comics. Uh, she works from home. Uh, she's the vigilante spider bite in the virtual world. Mm. Yeah, it's true. But what she does in the virtual world is community service. Yeah, it's quite nice though. It's it's um, it's it's a uh, it, it must be. She definitely has the coziest setup of any of them there. And there's a. Uh, we also have uh, Scarlet Spider, yeah. uh, Ben Riley as well. Yep, which um, when I heard the news that um he was gonna be voiced by Andy Samberg, I just knew that he would be played as a joke. Yeah, um, I think some people went into the film expecting a very nuanced Scarlet Spider, and yeah. that was not the case. I think ever since the whole chasm thing has happened with Ben in the six one six, how um. And the mention in the uh, letters from the editor that he has no place in Spider-Man land. Oh, that's rough, that is. Yeah. And also just because, well, Jess mentions that for some reason they keep Ben around in the society. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get the impression that he's kind of, he he just has the meathead vibes. He's good at following orders. And plus, he's very stereotypical '90s comic booky kind of person because uh, he's got exaggerated musculature. He's got that '90s comic book shading. Yes, I I do I like I liked it. I also liked kind of like how they make fun of the weird '90s dialogue thought dialogue when he's in the alleyway. That sequence had me laughing my head off. Um, I really enjoyed that bit. But- but do you think that um, Gwen practically killed him by uh, sending him to a universe that's presumably not his own and then destroying his watch? I like to hope that the Spider Society found him somehow, maybe? Or they have him incapacitated? I don't know. I hope they found a workaround because it was a little bit... Yeah, of a... Because the web watch act kind of acts as the GPS it's a bit of a plot hole otherwise um. yeah because yeah if he was left to die you know that's now kind of more playing into uh how jokey he is um considering the treatment that he gets now in the comics yeah um we've also got uh the spot who um escalates the stakes of this film very rapidly 
I thought that was real. I thought he was a really fun villain. Yeah, all just because um he was uh, hurt by an offhanded comment that Miles made about him being the villain of the week. Yeah, I mean, it, clearly he's been treated in a, in a very dismissive way, yeah. um, and he's decided to destroy everything. Yeah, yeah we're, but in the comics, he's a legitimate threat because his power source is the same power source that Cloak has, where he can access the Dark Force dimension to go travel anywhere. Yeah, I love how they show his powers and, and kind of like the, the sketch, the sketched outlook that his character model has. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this is an artist thing, like the blue non-reproductive lines uh, that you'll see on some pencils, because uh, those are meant to uh, not show up when whenever you scan your work. But here you can see that the spot has those lines because I guess they wanted to have him be some sort of an unfinished looking character. Yeah. He's also got a little bit of an unathletic shape. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think, like, kind of, you can see how the audience would underestimate him as, like, villain of the week. And then actually he turns out to be very, kind of, yeah. very much a threat. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's a, a very, you know, um, a boasting of taking credit for giving Miles his powers because he was the one in the first movie who brought the spider from Earth-42 over to bite Miles. Yeah, they do. They do find a way to kind of like link him into everything. I don't know if they needed to link him in that hard as far as being the guy who got hit by the bagel, but but that yeah. was actually Dan Slott's idea. It's really funny. Yeah, to retroactively, um, yeah, have the scientist who was hit by the bagel become the spot. Mm. Yeah, and it mm. seems like a bagel seemed like a common thing now, where um. Uh, a fun Easter egg above the spot's apartment. There's a billboard for the Tony winning award musical. All of it always happening all the time, which uh, also has a bagel on it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite funny. And it's to my understanding that everything everywhere all at once has a bagel. Um, so it, it has. Um, yeah. It, it, it's bagel is, is more abstract. It's kind of like this black hole bagel which has everything on it and it's become a point of singularity um whereas whereas this is 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 li literally just as a regular bagel that shows yeah, up yeah it's just a bagel like even in that um outfit montage of uh gwen's different outfits over the years one of the foods on the plate was a bagel yeah yeah it's quite funny yeah uh, I think another character that we have here that um we've pretty much touched upon but I feel like that there's more we can uh, add uh, Jefferson, who at by this point in the movie he has changed his last name from Davis to his wife's Morales. Yes, yeah. So it's kind of they they're moving away from the weird Confederate name that he got left with, and it's kind of to like of a new version of it. Because uh, Ben, this uh, he claimed that it was just an accident that uh, uh, he named Miles's dad Jefferson Davis. Yes, so strange. Um, yeah, I guess uh, you know Davis is a pretty common last name in the states. Yeah, it is. Um, they. Yeah, you you can see how they got there, but like still, it's weird. Like they didn't Google that. Um, yeah, it's to the point where you know, Saladin Ahmed and his run um, made that joke as to why um, Jefferson uh, was so questionable about his last name. Yeah, um, and they they kind of he has a moment where he decides to kind of move away from that name yeah. in the comics, and, and it seems like so his Earth Forty Two counterpart also got the memo. Oh, that's nice. 
it seems they're kind of telegraphing in his death a little bit with with what they're doing with the spot, which is, um, you know, like he yeah. needs to kind of not die in the yeah. next film. Because it's just a possibility of what could happen. Yeah, even though like, obviously like Rio is there or... Yeah, even though, but you know, since some Conrad Marcus Venom isn't in this universe, or at least hasn't been introduced again, I don't think Rio's gonna die. No, it'd be um pretty terrible. Uh, shame. I hope they don't fridge anyone off. Um, yeah. Uh, who else do we have here on the list to talk about? Um, because we already like touched upon Rio and Captain Stacy, maybe just a little bit about uh. Uh, Miles G. Morales, even though everyone thinks that he's supposed to be a villain, I think that's just because of the little screen time that he has. Uh, there's actually been some leaked um, test footage for Beyond the Spider-Verse, which actually shows and confirmed in the art book, which I also bought that um, uh, Prowler 42 is actually a vigilante. Yes. So it like I think there was a deleted scene where like they're stealing like medical supplies for the hospital which is which is like like pretty good behavior it's like objectively good behavior you know yeah and at the beginning of the movie when spot was telling his backstory of uh teleporting the spider from earth 42 uh to here you can actually see miles g in that flashback sequence oh that's uh that's that's pretty fun that's uh, a nice little easter egg yeah so so I guess the spider was about to bite him instead before it got teleported. Yeah. So I guess they'll explore maybe kind of the consequences of that. Um, and I always see this sh- these ships online about um, uh, Miles G and his own version of Gwen as a ship. Um, yeah. And the ways that they would like get jealous and stuff with the other ones. Um, yeah, no, I see that. And um, we also got a little bit of a return of the spider gang where at the end, but, you know, back in the society, we could see a little bit of Penny, how she got depressed. Yeah, and I think maybe they could. Um... So I guess like, Penny must have uh, lost um, a loved one during that time skip. Well, in fairness, um, every anime protagonist goes through a dark and brooding arc. Yeah, I was kind of just like, you know, she'll she'll figure it out. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully everything's a bit more um, cheerful. Even her character model in that scene, because uh, at the end of the movie, her character model was back to normal. But in that scene, you could see that she was she looked all sketchy and not, you know, um, 3D. Maybe they're kind of responding to like all the criticism and how they they changed her character especially the robot design quite heavily they made her really like kind of like kawaii cute yeah and infantilized her quite a bit and she's just not like that in the comics she's a little bit angstier yeah. you know and she like her spdr suit is a mech as well yeah but but she, yeah she went back to her old model at the end of the movie oof yeah that's um yeah that's rough yeah um yeah renaissance vulture which i seem like um uh, in the first movie and now in this one, now it seems like it's a staple for the first fight to be um, a giant flying villain voiced by Yorma Tacone. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I, I think the, the, the Lonely Island crew kind of just showing up there, Yorma Tacone and Andy Samberg. I just need the other guy now. 
uh, and um, obviously because he's um, from the Da Vinci period, yeah, he's also uh, Italian. But um, uh, what's more unique here is that he utilizes hammer space. Yeah, with the um, infinite infinite tools in a pocket. And um, I noticed one of the lines they cut out between him and Gwen was uh, uh, they cut out Gwen saying the only Italian I know is from Mario Kart. Yeah. But since they were fighting in um, the Museum of Modern Art or MoMA, you could see that Vulture was just a fish out of water because, you know, he was confused about modern art. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of trying to have some kind of dialogue about like the respects shown in a modern art gallery at the same time as everything else going on. So that was a, was a choice. We got the return of Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, which uh, fans have been baying for on Twitter for some reason for for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, they were all really unhappy with his return because he came out on the wrong side. <laughs> because um, I remember back in the cartoon when uh, he was uh, recalling how his Uncle Ben died, he swore that he would never look the other way again. And he just does the complete opposite here. Yeah, I will say, just generally speaking, I, I'm not very impressed with any of the Spider Society. Just they they are all making this error right now where they're all just kind of tacitly accepting that the the suffering needs to happen, these people need to kind of die needlessly. When they if they act the unselfish thing like the reason they're spider people is so that they prevent people dying because of kind of selfishly not doing anything and it seems like they've all found a way to kind of convince themselves they can selflessly not doing any they they can selflessly not do anything and it's like it's it's very strange logic and so just generally all of them are making this error all of the spider society are doing this well or well at least a, a few of the members um, because, you know, obviously Gwen's team decided to uh, branch away. But um, I heard a fan theory that out there that um, Miguel is purposely recruiting the new spiders who literally uh, just suffered the tragic canon event. And, you know, because their mind is in a uh, uh, dark and depressing place, that kind of makes them vulnerable to be suggestive to what Miguel's offering them. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of like kind of trauma commentary at the same time that's going on and um, because it's kind of like the implication here is that like you need to be traumatized to develop as a person um and i don't think that's true like i think that's kind of like it's kind of wrong because like miles generally isn't he isn't suffering from like a kind of deep-seated trauma the way that all these other spider people are and um you know he has the opportunity to kind of develop fully and wholly as a person without this like significant awful stuff happening to him yeah. Well, uh, well, with uh, Miles, I think in his defense, um, he did see with his very own eyes, um, Ultimate Peter and uh, Aaron die in right in front of him. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. Oh no, Uncle Aaron's right. That's uh, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, that 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 was pretty tough. But just generally, I think I think there needs to be more pushback on the, on a lot of the side of your media that like you need to undergo trauma to be like a good person and it's not true it's very it's a very um like like a very like biblical way of looking at uh but you know character development and 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 i'm and i'm glad they're kind of they're trying to work to subvert this trope i i feel with this film which i'm which i'm enjoying yeah i think um spectacular was the only background spider that uh people cared about 
Yeah, I mean, I think think there was a few that stood out. There's the cowboy yeah. spider, or is um... oh yeah, oh yeah, web slinger who yeah who was voiced by uh, his writer Taron Killam. That's pretty cool. Um, you can spot the um insomniac Spider Man from the video game uh, at one point. There's also um from your renew your vows um MJ and uh, Annie May as a uh, spinneret and Spiderling. Yeah, there's there's definitely a few floating about there that people recognize. I think, you know, we, and we got a glimpse at uh, live action Spider Man. Andrew Garfield shows up in this film. I think the big live action cameo is from Donald Glover as the Prowler. Oh my days! I lost it. I lost. It. I was so pleased they've done. That. You know what? It shows you how long the MCU has done it right. That Spider Man Homecoming came out what 2016, 2017, Hinting. 2017 hinting that they were going to set up Donald Glover as the Prowler. They have done nothing with it. They have taken that long to do it that this film series, which came out after the fact, has um, managed to get around to showing live-action MCU Prowler. And he looks sick. I thought it was so fun. I really enjoyed it. Rumor has it that um, he just happened to be available just to do that cameo. Yeah, that that guy is so busy making cool projects that like I get I get why the scheduling stuff doesn't line up. I'm glad it did here. Yeah, and the funny thing about um Miles staring at him it was because um uh, uh Donald Glover was uh Miles's first voice in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Mm, yeah. Another Easter egg, you know, Miguel makes a passing reference to the events of No Way Home when he said, uh, don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999.99, which is, yeah, that is the MCU's designation, Earth 199,999. Thinking about how the designations work across different media formats makes my head hurt because, like, I can imagine, like, there being these, like, proper number designations within comics or within the films or within the animated stuff, but then the idea that they're also all in the same thing as each other, but then they're also all, like, using the same numbers as each other, but then maybe sometimes they've got it wrong and sometimes something A and sometimes something B, and it's it just it's so complicated and I can't think about it. Yeah, there's actually a little feud going on between Iman Vellani and Kevin Feige about the MCU's designation, how it's um, because Iman, rightfully so, it's designated as Earth 199,999, not 616. Yes, um, I think it was it was weird to try and make a new 616 because that's kind of like what 616 is there to be is, is the one and only 616. It's yeah. kind of like the point. Um, and plus, yeah. Peter B's Earth is also Earth 616, but in reality, it's designated as Earth 616B. Yeah. And you can also see a lot of various Easter eggs during um, all of the uh, canon events that the spiders have gone or will go through. Um, because you can see Jess that she's going through a, a If This Be My Destiny, where she's lifting the rubble. Spider Punk is going through a Spider Punk No More. Gwen might, or she has already gone through a Craven's Last Hunt. Yes, there, there was like a bunch of kind of like snapshots of stuff that just looked very intriguing, but clearly they had just kind of thrown in there to pad out all of the different events which should have happened or, or, or should happen eventually or whatever, you yeah. know. But um, I kind of find it um 
a little bit strange if um i'm trying to get the logistics about how gwen would go through a craven's last hunt because you know obviously craven can't pose as spider gwen well maybe his daughter can because canonically uh well in 616 anyway i don't know if craven 65 has a daughter but yeah craven 616 does have a daughter yes okay it's that's elaborate though so i guess um anastasia yeah because yeah that's craven's daughter's name maybe uh, she could be the craven of um this incarnation of gwen's earth yeah i I just i don't quite know how it worked but the imagery is cool at least um yeah Yeah, because it's the image of gwen um digging herself back up from the grave yeah no it's so cool um but yeah, do we want to wrap up our uh, our thoughts here on on the film uh, at all? How do how do we feel all in all about this this film? Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, this was a yeah a pretty great Spider movie. It's one of those rare instances where the sequel tops the first one. Um, there's so much character development despite uh, the movie being more focused on Miles and Gwen and their relationship and also their relationship to their parents and Miguel. But um, I guess um, if you're a Spider fan in general, this is the movie to watch and to some extent um, Into the Spider-Verse also. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it really works. Yeah, um, it was um, because funny thing is that um, during the weekend when the movie premiered, um, yeah, Griffin, who you know we interviewed from um the Supple Boys when they came on, uh, he messaged me uh, asking if I saw the movie and uh, said that when he saw the extended Earth sixty five B sequence, uh, he thought of me. Okay. That's 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 um that's really cool. Yeah, and he also mentioned that he can't wait to listen to our episode of Across the Spider Verse. So um, yeah, when this airs, uh, Griffin, if you're listening to this, hi. Oh, no pressure. Um, um, uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a really good film. Um, I will say, uh, it's definitely it's a part one. Um, and it's you're kind of missing the back half of this film. Um, I think some bits of it were definitely kind of, they had a more tighter and clearer arc. The stuff with Gwen, uh, definitely does, uh, the stuff with Miles doesn't really, um, and it's so open-ended that there's clearly like that point of closure he gets with, with maybe with Miguel and like deciding to go his own way and break with the spider society. Um, but like, it just, it does, it does, you feel quite unsatisfying at the end to realize that oh you've got to wait a year two years to actually watch the rest of this film and then you've got to pay you've got to pay the cost of admission again um so it's uh yeah that, that was a bit of a shame but overall this is a very well conceived film they they clearly are reading these comics um and they want to adapt them and and they have something to say here about um that the masks that we wear and the price that we pay to wear them around our family and our friends and 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 i think that's really interesting and they're they're clearly playing with with themes around um like queer coding and 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 the allegory of 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 being in that kind of situation and it's 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 very compelling watching um i i I really I, i it's the coming out scenes that gwen and miles do respectively you're on the edge of your seat and and it's 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 such a human story and um at the same time it's it's got sort of fun 
sort of superhero animation you know, that really pops. Like these films look better than than a good chunk of the animation out there because they're trying new and interesting styles and they're experimenting. The the the, the multiverse gives them an excuse to experiment with something every you know five ten minutes within the film. You you can see them trying a new art style, a new art effect. Uh, um, it, it really it comes together to to make a very um, like visually interesting film and um, the pacing matches that kind of visual dynamism and and and, and it just it scratches my brain my ADHD brain so well I I I am um, mesmerized when I watch this film. So does that mean um you'll be totally mind fucked if they do a similar thing to a Beyond the Spider Verse? Yeah, I, I don't doubt that they will, unless they they really botch production uh, that's going on right oh. now. Oh, yeah. plus I I forgot to mention that yeah, this movie is supposed to serve as a launching pad to um their upcoming Spider Women movie when and if that gets made. Yeah, Spider Women, if that ever happens, that's fun. Because I feel like that they were planting the seeds here for um, uh, fleshing out Jess and Gwen. Potentially, yeah. I guess we'll. That's that's a re- that the Spider Woman is such a wait and see project because until they finish this one, I which I'm worried about constantly. Then you know, then we'll see about Spider Woman. I guess. Yeah, because um, no one knows empty promises more than Sony. For real, yeah. Because we're still waiting for ASM three. Definitely, it's one of those things. But yeah, you know, it's gonna be um, like spectacular season three and fetch. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> You're okay. Uh, fetch. Oh, yeah, you know, fetch. It's never gonna happen. Right. Yeah, that's just a little Mean Girls quote. If you catch my drift. I, I, I don't. I haven't seen Mean Girls yet, so that one, that one flew past me. <laughs> but, but funnily enough, Lacey Chabert, the one who uh, said that line, she voiced as Gwen in Spectacular. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. But um, um, is that pretty much uh, the entirety of our episode? Yeah, I think that does us. I'm I'm coming up on and gone midnight here, and I I am flagging. I must admit, I I uh, I, yeah, yeah, I am I'm ready for my bed. All right, so I think I'm just gonna close us out here. So the next time that we make an episode is gonna be a little bit of a wait time because there is no new Gwen material until December, which is going to be the release of Spider-Gwen Smash number one by the creative team of Melissa Flores and Anid Balam. Uh, unless if there's um, more news coming up at um, NYCC, which if there's any Gwen related news, uh, I'm going to make sure to report it if um, one of the panels decides to elaborate on it or I don't know if she decides to guest star in someone else's book. I'm still going to report on it anyway. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm going to be at um, NYCC. Hit me up or don't. I don't really care because uh, there, there might be too much going on. But anyway, hit me up if you want to. Exciting times. And I don't think we can stress this enough. Um, the success of a series depends on how many pre-orders there are on each issue. Pre-order Spider-Gwen Smash number one just to make sure that Marvel knows that you, know, you have faith in this character. You have faith in this book. You have faith that uh, that this is enough to sustain another ongoing 100%, yeah. Um, check for a local comic book store that should be the number one place that you want to buy 
uh, especially single issue comic books from uh, and uh, you know uh, set up a pull list with them and that is the way to buy uh, and support comics legally at least yeah uh, anyway but uh, yeah anyway you know we're gonna put the full reading list of uh, Gwen's appearances in the description which I think it still needs to get updated but um, anyway, if you want any questions or if you had any thoughts on the show, you can email us, go spidergroupies at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at gsgroupies. We also have a Kofi page if you wanted to uh, chuck in a few bucks to help us with the uh, maintenance of the podcast. That would be great. Yes, please. All right. But um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. All right, bye. See you in December. Pre-order smash. Pre-order smash. Bye.